Swar's been running eight years now. Given your reputation and your formidable drive, our hope is that you're the man who will get the job done. Most of us here will know General McMahon's, the man who kicked out Kaida in the sack. You're welcome. Get your troops in order. Move the needle a little bit. Show everyone a nice-looking set of graphs. Just finish this thing. It's a lost cause. You can stay in Afghanistan forever. That's why I'm going to win it. My team and I are about to embark on a new direction. What is this new direction? We build Afghanistan into a free and prosperous nation. All right, smile for the cameras, Glenn. Sounds a lot like the old direction. I didn't come here to manage this war, and I sure as shit didn't come here to close it out. It's my job to ensure that your personal ambitions are kept in check. seems to me that we all here with our guns trying to convince these people we're really nice guys. I need to see a weapon! No one's gonna crack this, it's gonna be you. You're not here to win. You're here to clean up the mess. podcast from parts unknown a strange journey through the depths of netflix it's anthony lewis and glenn bovey glenn we have resurrected this show uh but under a different format for the time being anyway we we may someday go back to the old format but uh or we could take suggestions we could uh well for now I'll, i'll explain what the old format was in case uh people are unfamiliar. I'm actually not sure off the top of my head when the last episode we produced of this was. Uh, taking a quick look here, it it's actually actually was not that long ago. It was May of 2016. But the show had a very short-lived return. We 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 came back from a long break only to do two episodes and then uh, then the show's disappeared. Uh, so the old premise for this was there was a website we could go to that had a uh it was like a compository of all of the films and TV shows and things that are on Netflix and it had a search engine with uh, variabilities that you could put into it but you could leave it blank and then just uh hit like a, a randomized button it would basically just give you a thing on Netflix and that was the whole premise of the show we would it would select something randomly we would watch it more times than not, it would give us bad movies. <laughs> Sometimes fun bad, though. And uh, we would watch them and then review them. And uh, that premise, though, is kind of out of the way. Would you like to describe what we're what we're doing now with the show, Glenn? Uh, we're essentially, in, in a way, getting off our, our lazy asses and dipping into our Netflix cues of all the Netflix originals that we've thrown in there and mm-hmm. forced ourselves to watch them. Yes. So, well, some I, of them we I, want I to say, watch. I, yeah, I, I mean forced as in, like, making us oh. set a deadline to try and watch it by because, yes. like, Beast for No Nation has been on my Netflix queue since the day it came out, and yes. I haven't watched it yet. So yeah. um, this is just forcing me to 
to to remedy that. Yeah. So the since since we started this, uh, I think when we started the original show uh, under the original premise, Netflix was doing a lot of original TV programming and it was increasing in its TV programming. But I don't think at that point they had yet to actually release uh, an original film. But uh, since they have released a lot of original films, uh, I'm actually not sure how many there are, but uh, I think there are at least a dozen. I could be wrong. There might be more even. I'm not sure. Oh, there's more than that. I mean, it depends. You know, there's some that they say that are original that they buy, but sure. um, I've seen a few that they've actually done. Like, uh, I mean, there's, I don't know how many of you seen, but this... As we kind of go into this venture, you know, I don't know how far back we want to pull the curtain, but this is going to be more of filler for the summer, filler for winter break, that kind of stuff. So yeah. I've actually not. We'll watched. probably have to go into uh, stand-up specials, considering <laughs> Netflix has done where they're going to release a stand-up special every single week. They've done a million of those. Although I'm I not- mean, look. Uh, they found uh, they found something. I mean, that's the thing about Netflix. They've been really good about adapting to uh, the environment. Uh, so the thing is, I have watched a ton of Netflix original TV shows, a bunch. I have never watched any of the original movies. So this was the first original movie I've watched. And if you couldn't tell by the trailer that plays before this, uh, we are watching War Machine, which stars Brad pit and a whole lot of other people a slew of other people i'm i'm surprised at the sheer amount of names in this and i did not read into this uh until i opened up the wikipedia page uh which does not give away the plot in fact the plot summary reads four-star general glenn mcmahon played by brad pitt is sent to afghanistan to bring the war to an end but finds himself to be the one under attack and I did not realize that this was about uh, Michael Hastings' article for Rolling Stone or the subsequent book he wrote. uh, That Now, this isn't a direct recounting of those events. This is is very much like a a Genji Cohen-type situation where she takes, like, Orange is the New Black but then adapts a completely different show... She's done it with Glow as well, where there is an original story there, but they just take the premise of the original story and essentially create something different with it. So this isn't following line for line exactly what happened, um, but there are a lot of there are a lot of beats. So Brad's pit character is essentially General Stanley McChrystal. Um, there are there are other people who are loosely based on other characters. There's a character loosely based on Michael Flynn, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Richard Holbrook. Um, then there are who's some, supposed to be Michael Flynn? Uh, that would be Anthony Michael Hall's. Okay, that's what I thought, but I, I was Greg Pulver. Yeah, yeah. Boy, was he a character in this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he was. It was weird to see him as something. Like this. Uh, Russell Crowe is in this film uncredited as General Bob White, who is basically <laughs> uh, playing David Petraeus, who was the replacement for Stanley McChrystal. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there are actual, like Barack Obama is portrayed in this film uh, in 
well, in footage with real Barack Obama, and then Reggie Brown is kind of playing Barack Obama. Ben Kingsley is playing Hamid Karzai, who is <laughs> the once president of Afghanistan. And Tilda Swinton is also randomly in this as a German politician. It's really crazy. So, um, it, it basically follows the... I'm not going to outline the whole film here, but it basically follows uh, Stanley McChrystal's story where he is tasked with coming into Afghanistan. And the, by the way, this is more of a satirical film. There is, It's not a straight-up, serious, dramatic war film. There's lots of stuff that's played for comedy and stuff, although there are definitely serious moments in it. Um it's following the Stanley McChrystal story where he's brought into Afghanistan. He's kind of got this plan of action that he wants to enact, but the president doesn't want to send any more troops. And he's got people left and right kind of telling him that this is sort of a hopeless affair. And he doesn't believe that he wants to, you know, try his thing and do his thing. And, uh, you know, nobody's done it right until, you know, he's going to do it right that sort of thing. He has, he and his uh, director of intelligence, played by Anthony Michael Hall, have a lot of disagreements with the policies of the Obama administration. And they say things to a character who is loosely based on Michael Hastings, the Rolling Stone journalist. And uh, this ends up coming out in a Rolling Stone article and basically he has to resign uh his his post and et cetera et cetera and i feel like uh i don't know what what would you say like the i cuz i felt like the main theme of this film even though it is uh satirical in nature kind of talks about the cyclical and pointless nature of war because the film basically ends almost the same way it begins uh with uh uh what's his name Russell Crowe and his men coming in the same exact way that Brad Pitt and his men were coming in. Like, you know, we got this job to do, we're going to do it. And then it, it kind of just never ends. And I think that's even, yeah, but I think the thing too, that like kind of the way the movie does it towards the end is like, you know, he even does says it in the voiceover. Like he didn't really want this to be about, McMahon, the person, it was just yeah. kind of the nature of it. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, like he almost feels bad that he wrote this article because, in a way, like he'd rather have McMahon than Bob White coming in. You know what I mean? Sure. Because it's not even like, even whenever he's going down the airport and he's, you know, prancing, like it's different. I don't know. It just seems like the way they make Russell Crowe look like a angry, like, He's, oh, i got to get this job to do. But, like, yeah. where it seems like, at least with uh, uh, with Brad Pitt's character, like, he was he was trying to do something good and different, but you can't do it because of, I mean, just given the nature of what this war is and what it has become. Yeah, he seemed genuine in his intent. Yeah, like what he even says, like, how are we supposed to help him if we just keep, you know, blowing him up and shooting him? You know, like, it's... Uh, it just kind of shows like the the he never, uh, he never had good answers for that either. By the way, he's yeah. just like, oh, well, just, you'll have to get unconfused about it. Yeah, the the vicious cycle that that the war on terror has become. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, I, uh, I I spent a lot of the movie kind of agreeing with the the people who kept talking about how 
kind of pointless it is. And there's so much, they showed just so much futility because there's just things that are ingrained in the culture there that you just can't change over. These are things that the people have to decide to change and the change will come slowly. Like they showed the futility, even of just voting, you know, they had voting taking place on the army base and they're like, you had, I can't remember the exact numbers. It was like 325 registered voters, but there were 1200 votes cast you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, like they talk about how like people in the, the villages just vote how the village leaders tell them to vote because they're scared of the village leaders. So there's, there's no free and fair election. They want to have them, but because of the, the ingrainment in the culture, it's just, it's not a thing that exists right now. Uh, and it's, it just, you know, there's a reason why everybody who's tried to go into Afghanistan to change things or to to do this or to do that have failed. They've all failed. Uh, none of them have succeeded. They've all ended up leaving. Except for us right now. We seem like we're going to be there until the end of time. But, um, you know, they they showed the the difficulty in training Afghan forces who are portrayed in this movie as people who don't seem particularly interested in being trained armed forces I, I i just feel like they they painted a pretty clear picture of the futility i mean war is futile anyway but the particular futility of the afghanistan war i don't, I don't know if, if if you took you know how much of that you took away um but that just kind of leaped out to me what they were talking about well, I mean, also just like when you're talking about the voting thing, like it's even you can use it as a mirror for ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the one thing I always tell people, like whenever they like haven't even visited England, and uh, I'm sure whenever Ben listens to this, or you know, other people who are from other countries, like when you come to visit here, like there are certain uh, comforts that you're used to, mm-hmm. and it's not even a good or a bad thing. It's just like for me, the big thing was, uh, like, you go to a restaurant and um, they they never have ice. Or if there is, you know, there might be an extra charge to it. Um, yeah. Most of the time they would just put ice in it because they know you're an American and that's what you want. But, uh, again, like, there, it, there's just different things, you know. They could probably, you know, more severe things, and this is a complete false equivalency. But, you know, if they, you know, come visit over here and they have to go to the hospital, then, you know, that bill's going to be a little bit different than at home. Uh, but it's just, uh, you know, it is just kind of used like the things that we've taken advantage of, Yeah. but also just like showing the grunts, like just showing the difference between, uh, the grunts and like the, the top uh, brass. the top, right. Yeah. Well, cause like, think about it. like, he's going around Europe and he's, and he's having to do all these, these dinners and ass mm-hmm. kissing. And obviously he doesn't want to do it. I mean, he even said like, he'd rather be. You know, he gives up the the big room because it's like, why should I have this? You know. Yeah, he sounds um, like a guy that'd actually rather just be out in the field. Yeah, quite honestly, but yeah, like maybe he moved a little too far up the pole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was just you know he's wanting to do this good thing, and then you know he has to go back to his command base, and then you're seeing these people fall out what he thinks, and you know in a way he is trying to do good. You know, he isn't just 
give him free reign. Like he's at least trying to do something yeah. uh, different than the previous approach. But it's just like you can't. None of those approaches are going to work. Like you, it really has to. Like pretty, pretty much to me, what it seems like whenever you're showing this, either we need to get out, leave it alone. We've done enough damage. Or if you really want to go that far, then it just has to be total war because you, you can't change. You yeah. can't make everybody want. You can't make everybody be like America. Yeah, there's you know? like a there's like a big statement about counterinsurgency in this uh, in this movie too, and. I mean, that's where that line comes from, where they're like, you know, the the difference between General uh, General McMahon and everybody else is that he thinks nobody has done counterinsurgency right. The 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 narrator, who is uh, played by Scoot McNary, who also plays the Rolling Stone journalist, yeah, uh, talks about how you know counterinsurgency didn't work in Vietnam. It doesn't, you know, doesn't work here. It's never worked there. Uh, and he's like, you know, probably because it's difficult to liberate somebody at the point of a gun. Uh, you can't just invade into their country and be like, you know, we're liberating you while holding weapons and like, you're free now, you're liberated, enjoy your liberty. And, you know, people don't feel like that when they're, uh, you know, and that's not how America, you know, was liberated. We liberated ourselves essentially. And that's how pretty much every country, whoever, uh, has enjoyed uh, westernized freedom, however you want to describe it. It's all come from uprisings and civil wars, and they've you know they've they they've done it on their own. And there, yeah, there's a, a pretty good point to that. Like his his idea was like nobody had ever done it right, I suppose. But I don't know if there is a right way to do it. I'm not sure. There's a reason. Well, look, there's a reason we're still in Afghanistan to this day. We've moved past Stanley McChrystal. We've moved past his replacement, Petraeus, obviously. I have no idea who's in charge of it now, but um, whoever it is, they're going to be there until somebody else comes in. I'm not sure if there's a plan to ever remove ourselves from the situation, but... Uh, we seem intent on getting this whole counterinsurgency thing to work eventually, but I'm not sure if it's I'm not sure if it's ever going to. Uh, any thoughts on that, Glenn, or or should we talk about the comedic aspects of this movie because it, it is more comedy, at least in portions of it, than it is anything else. So any, yeah, any thoughts on I mean, kind of. Well, I guess this is kind of like a soft transition to that. You know, he even narrates it at the end, like I want this, I want the move, I want, I wanted the conversation to be about this, and you know, I didn't want it yeah. to be another fall from grace story. Mm-hmm. But the uh, even with their flaws, um, the characters in the movie, at least, uh, they're pretty likable. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean even, outside uh, of it, Anthony Michael Hall's character, he's not very likable, but... No, I mean, I enjoyed his character. He is no oh, yes. person, but, like, no. it was more... Again, but, again, that's more... This, now we're going into the the movie aspects. Like the oh, fact it was a good that, performance, for sure. I mean, yeah, the fact that, like, it was Anthony Michael Hall, like, it wasn't that I... There was a moment where I didn't think it was him, but it was just, like, a constant reminder of, like, man, that is Anthony Michael Hall, and he is, he is a bastard in this. He sure was. <laughs> Uh, so yeah it's it's hard to believe like that's like the breakfast club's Anthony Michael Hall (laughs) he's like the nerdy kid from from breakfast club and um Jesus 
Was he not here? That's for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious as to what you thought about the the comedy stuff, though. I mean, I I recall laughing at, at, at some stuff, but I don't know. It felt like there was like a lot of the comedy stuff kind of fell weirdly flat for me. Yeah, I, I mean, it wasn't like laugh out loud funny. It was kind of no. like, oh, you know, I might, I might get a snicker here or there. I Especially thought Brad, the... I mean, I thought it was weird. Like, I didn't really laugh a lot, but I thought all the actors were good in it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Like, it wasn't uh, no even so much. Like, even if their quote unquote jokes didn't land, like, they did a great job on the characters. Like, I don't. Again, Excellent performances. Again, this is where casting directors, why they are not considered for Oscar nominations, but. Um, I thought the cast was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... I Alan Ruck being the swarmy little politician was great. Oh, his, yeah, he was the, the the UN ambassador. Yeah, him and then uh, Griffin Dune, who was... Uh, he wasn't like a secretary, but he was like... In a, a, he, was like the, he was the Department of State. He was like a yeah. senior official in the Department of State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was so, excellent. Yeah, it was just... Uh, it was just... It was great. You know, I, really, I really thought Brad Pitt was... It's actually probably one of my favorite like performances I've seen out of him. Mm-hmm. He was really good in it. The problem is, is like... Probably not going to get anything of it. No, 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 no. I, well, it's weird. Like, So the, the poster kind of screams... Because the movie wasn't like incredible, I guess, is going to be the problem with it. Right. Uh, well, the poster kind of screams comedy, comedy. You've got a bunch of people kind of making some some silly poses on the on the poster, and the tagline is "We're going to liberate the shit out of you," which makes it sound like it's going to be like a, a bust your gut comedy type situation, but it's really not. Like you got some like you know Brad Pitt's character, and I think it's um, Griffin Dunn's character are doing like the old man doesn't understand technology shit. Yeah, like they don't know how to turn off their webcams or whatever. Uh, they do that bit like three times in this movie, um, you know. So there's like there's like bits of it uh, in there. Actually, you know, to me the funniest thing was the scene where Anthony Michael Hall, uh, playing not Michael Flynn, is going off on Barack Obama's speech. And oh his my policy. god, dude! All of his rants were well, the best. While he's holding, uh, while he's holding this picture of uh, Obama, and he's just <laughs> screaming about it, and he's pointing at the picture, and this guy doesn't know anything, he's swearing up and down, and then he gently sets the picture down and like taps it, like he's patting it on the head, like he doesn't want to break it, like he still has reverence for the the office of president. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though I just thought that was awesome, like I I really laughed hard at that. Um, uh, any, I, I don't know. Are there any other uh, performances or moments that really stick out for you? Like the movie does get really serious at one point. During, yeah, like, I was saying like uh, the part where he goes to visit that mausoleum, that that sculpture. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of where the to me like the first like really big, uh, hard turn takes where it, like where it yeah. is serious. Mm-hmm. Like that was kind of like whoa okay. Um, and then even like the war stuff was pretty like intense, mm-hmm. like so you know the last like you know the third act, the last thirty minutes or so, uh, like yeah. that was like really uh, 
Oh, they're really shooting intense. off like yeah, but like off... you know, he shoot it, you know, and he not only did he shoot it once, but he shot it short twice. Yeah, they kept and firing so, like grenades, yeah. mm-hmm. and then eventually they thought they hit insurgents on a rooftop, but uh, insurgents kept firing. So this dude loses his cool, and was it the same guy from earlier that was like, "I'm just confused about what we're doing." I think that was the same character, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he just gets mad, and he just runs out into the street, and he's shooting people. These might even be innocents. In fact, there was one well, guy. Well, was... yeah, one one was innocent, but the two guys certainly were not. Yeah, and then he went into the house where they thought the gunfire was coming from, only to find an Afghan citizen sheltering a child while another child lied dead next to them from the rubble from the collapsed roof that caved in when they shot the grenade. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just heartbreakingly true-to-life stuff, which is weird. Like, you said that you... Because you watched this movie in parts, right? Yeah, yeah, I watched up until essentially them going into combat. Um, So, like, that was the last 30 minutes that I had to watch separately. And you said it felt like two different movies. Yeah, it did. And that's because it did. I watched the movie straight through, and it still felt like two different movies. So it's kind of uneven, weird, yeah, it weird felt in that like, way. Uh, you know, kind of the same way. It's kind of a set. It's satire, but it it's it doesn't have to be necessarily funny. Even though I, I do right. laugh throughout that movie, but like Full Metal Jacket, I always say is like two movies. Um, that's kind of how this this one felt. Like it felt like it was a thirty minute short film tacked on to a a movie. Yeah. Like uh, like they did a reverse Disney, or Disney always has like those little ten minute shorts before the Disney movie. Like that's how this was, except it was at the end. Mm-hmm. It was like a thirty minute post credit scene. Oh yeah. Um. I'm still. Um... I'm a little torn on how I feel about this movie overall because there is there's good stuff in it. It's just I think like, I liked it. Whole, it's not. Yeah. Eh, I know? didn't. I didn't dislike it at all. But I'm kind of going back and forth between: is it just like middle of the road, or do I like it more than that? Because there's definitely a lot to like. There were, as you noted, there were some good moments, and there's a lot of excellent. It's kind of hard to get into. Yes. Um, it it just feels a little wonky, but like the, the tone seems like really. Mm-hmm. Just, the tone is inconsistent. Like I don't know if it's trying to be like idiocracy slapstick satire or, um, like I even said, you know, something like Full Metal Jacket. Like I don't. It, it mm-hmm. kind of just seems like it wants best of both worlds, and you can't really do that. They never really went full metal jacket, but I mean, they they came close, I guess, maybe. But well, I mean, like, uh, I mean, I would say like the way uh, not Michael Flynn was is pretty reminiscent to how yeah. things are. Not, not, I don't even mean really mean like Arlie Ermy, but like just that tone of yeah. of how war is presented. I like a... full metal jacket is just like a little. Bit, I don't know. To me, it makes me think of the broader scope. Mm-hmm. Uh, of like the Vietnam War, whereas like Platoon makes me think of the troops and what the everyday people had to go through, the monsters they may or may not have become because of their experience yeah. in the shithole. Uh, so it's kind of like... I was going to say, it should be noted that Topher Grace was also in this movie. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, he was fine. I mean, he did what he had to do. He was he was completely inoffensive, and I I, forgot I mean, he that wasn't I... given a lot to do, so it was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, there's Topher Grace. He's doing what he needs to do. Yes, uh, I will note that I also got a pretty good chuckle from not Hillary Clinton. When I think she had a line of like, because he would keep saying with all due respect, man. And she would say, quit saying with all due respect, it's fucking creepy. <laughs> I don't know why I got a chuckle. Maybe because I was envisioning Hillary Clinton at that point, like in, in there saying it. Uh, and she's so robotic to me that picturing her saying things like how humans say things yeah. uh, was, was funny to me. You know what? Actually, who, who was played almost entirely for comedy was Ben Kingsley's Hamid Karzai. Oh, my God. My favorite scene was when we were first introduced him. It's such just like a... It, this felt like a bit out of an Adam Sandler movie, but I, I, don't, I don't care. I, I, I fell for it, uh, and I got a chuckle out of it. So it's the first time we meet him is uh, Brad Pitt's McMahon is going to, to meet the president of Afghanistan. And he walks in there, and he sees two men knelt down and, and, and bent over. The idea is that you know they're in the middle of uh, a prayer or something. Because this is how uh, Muslims pray. And uh, he's waiting there kind of cautiously, not sure exactly how to even stand or if to make any noise. And then you just hear Kingsley's cars, I like, just start saying, like, fuck. And then he, like, sees Brad Pitt's character standing in there and he's like, do you know how to get this Blu-ray player to work? Like, they used to have these yellow and white and red cables, but this Blu-ray player only comes with one cable and I can't figure out where to fucking plug it in on the TV. Do you know how to do this? And just, I, I giggled so much at that. Uh, I, th- I feel like he was used mostly for... For comedy, maybe it's because Karzai has always been kind of seen as like a puppet president, like installed by the United States more or less, and he was never really the president. He was always seen as kind of like a joke president. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think in real life he was quite as comic reliefy as he was in this movie. But I don't know, and I love Ben Kingsley. I, I don't know. He didn't. He didn't get a ton of airtime. To be to be perfectly honest, it says Reggie Brown played President Obama, but I actually don't remember his scene. Uh, well, he he's one. like, like uh, where he stiffs him on getting on the plane. Is he like a body double or something, or you just yeah. see him from behind or something? Yeah, you see like his side. Like you don't ever actually. I mean, like you kind of do, but it's out of focus. Like you don't really get like a good look uh, at his face or anything. And he yeah, he yeah. says a couple of things to him, but yeah. And uh, as noted before, Tilda Swinton is in this like briefly for like a scene as a German politician. I mean, her scene is good too, and she's good. It's just. I, I, is it weird of me, Glenn, to be more interested in the story of like how this movie got made and how they got people to appear in it? Like, I'm just way more interested in how they did. They just were they just does Brad Pitt have a bunch of favors that he was cashing in to to get these people? Like, you know, like we said, Russell Crowe appears uncredited. In fact, he's not even in the 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 end credits. And boy, did he look different too! By the way, yeah, at the end of this, like I'm wondering if he got all like that just for this uncredited one scene. Like he looked kind of slobby and chunky, and his head was shaved, and he almost didn't look like Russell Crowe. Um, you know, I mean, I know have Russell... you seen Russell Crowe? He's pretty chubby these days. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, mostly I've been seeing him in the trailer for the Mummy, <laughs> and he looks a little bit different there, but. Uh, yeah, it was just 
really did. I'm kind of more interested in the in the how it was made than the the actual movie. I don't know. I guess I am leaning more towards middle of the road with this. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll give we'll give our score on this, and then I think we'll announce what the the next movie we're going to talk about is. Uh, but before we do that, cheap plug for Fandango. Uh, this works really well, Glenn, because Fandango is where you can go to buy yourself movie tickets or uh, yeah, movie. Yeah, when you cards. take all your kids to see Despicable Me this weekend, that's right, Fandango. Uh, or if you want to ditch those kids and go see Baby Driver, which is getting really good reviews. Uh, I actually saw Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro go like on a Twitter rant about how much he loved Baby Driver. Like it was just like thirteen or fourteen tweets, just like talking about like all of these emotions it evoked in him and how he'd always liked Edgar Wright's work, but he felt like this was like Edgar Wright on a whole nother level, and this was uh, there's just so much praise, and I'm I'm super excited to. To check it out. So if you want to ditch the kids, you don't feel like watching that Despicable Me three movie. Uh, with I'm sure I'm sure it's going to be like eighty five percent minions in this movie. Cause that or like uh, what's that other one? The Big Sick. Apparently that one's pretty. Oh, good. the Camille Nanjiani movie about yeah. his basically about his real life relationship with Emily uh, Emily Gordon, although uh, she is being played by a different. Or her character has a different name in the movie, but um, weirdly enough, Kumail, Kumail is playing Kumail Nanjiani in the movie, but his wife has a different name in the film. Um, actually, I think they told an adorable story about that on Nerdist. Uh, I was listening to that, and they told a funny story about how she was telling him, like, you know, you should just change your name for the movie because I changed my name for the movie. And he's like, yeah, 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 we'll get around to that. And then he never got around to it, so... It, by the time they started filming, it, they just went with his real name. Yeah, too late. Too late, pal. Uh, but yeah, I heard that's really good, too. I want to see that as well. Uh, so yeah, you can do that. Uh, well, you can only see uh, The Big Sick if it's playing in your area. But Fandango will let you know if it is. Uh, and the best way to get your Fandango tickets is to shop with Cinema Geekly. Go to cinemageekly.com slash Fandango or cinemageekly.com and click the Fandango link at the top of the page and pick up your tickets or your gift cards that way. All right, Glenn, so any final thoughts on War Machine? If not, what would you give it? Uh, I don't know, like a, like a three, maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a three and a quarter. Um, I'm, giving it, I'm giving it the quarter because I like the performances so much. Like, there were some just really excellent performances, but the movie as a whole... You know, people are going to like it. People aren't going to like it. Uh, what are they saying? I'm sure it's been reviewed. Uh, what are they saying? Reception. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has given the film a 56% based on 68 ratings with an average rating of 5.8 out of 10. Critical consensus reading War Machine's uneven execution keeps its fact-based story from clearly hitting its targets, but those flaws are frequently offset by sharp wit and solid acting. I'd say that's actually pretty on point. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds about how we were going. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic gave it a 50 out of 100. Uh, On IMDb, it has an average rating of 6.2 out of 10 with nearly 10,000 reviews. So, yeah, it sounds like people are pretty much with us on this one. This was a middle-of-the-road movie. 
there is a chance that you will like it, and there is a chance that you will dislike it, and those chances are fairly even, it seems. Uh, I think, Glenn, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I feel like you and I are leaning towards we liked it more than we disliked it. But I also don't feel like I'm ever going to rewatch this. No, I don't need to watch it again. Yeah. There uh, might be, like, I don't know, if I'm going through a YouTube deep dive and all of a sudden, like, oh, hey, you know, the not Michael Flynn scene comes up where he, you know, pats the... Uh, the Obama picture. <laughs> the Obama picture, like, oh, okay, I'll watch that again. <laughs> he was so fucking angry at that picture. <laughs> it was. He was great. His rants were hysterical. Oh, yeah. Uh, part of me wonders how loosely based this is on General Michael Flynn. Uh, and Michael, Flynn, General Michael, Michael Flynn. Flynn is just like a swear machine and <laughs> so tight. Well, like when he's like, what does he say? Like, like he has anger shut management. Shut the fuck issues. up! I will beat your fucking ass right now. Like, yes. It's like, no, you won't, you old man. Shut the fuck up! And he's like <laughs> right in his face. Oh man, yeah, that was. <laughs> Like, I believed it from Anthony Michael Hall. He was selling it. God, he, like, I I don't know, like, I know Brad Pitt, like, isn't that tall or anything, but it's like, uh, mm-hmm. I just always forget that my th- Anthony Michael Hall's, like, got some size to him. Yeah, and, oh, fact, and on top of that. Just, like, he looks like a 40s tough guy, you know, like, big barrel chested and stuff. Yes. And on top of that, uh, Brad Pitt is also playing somebody who appears to, like, have had their bones like rigid and bent in one position oh and God. no longer Dude, move. The way he runs, like runs the way his, his hands are like the the narrator describes that his hands are like cr- like clasped into position and it looks like they're holding in like a cigar from like World War Two. <laughs> like his hands always look like they're in a in a near fist. Yeah, uh, it's got, like, claw thing at all times. Um, so yeah, this was. Uh, Middle of the road. I would say uh, like a slight recommendation if you enjoy Brad Pitt, if you enjoy war movies. I would say this is a slight recommendation. I I, I don't know if I can go full recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, if someone told me like, oh, it's not bad. Yeah, it's you could watch it. It Just depends on what you're into. I definitely would say you would have to be in the mood to see it. Um, all right, so that is that is it for our return episode, but we will be back soon with another when we review the Netflix original film Beasts of No Nation, which is starring uh, Abraham Atta, who was nominated for a bunch of awards uh, and even won some for his role in this film. Uh, and he's also going to be playing Abe Brown in the upcoming Spider-Man Homecoming film. And uh, it is also starring one Mr. Idris Elba. So totally looking forward to that. This one has been, in fact, I think on both of our queues for a long time. Yeah, the day it came out. This might be the first original. Is this the first original movie? Uh, it's for their first big one. This is also the guy who uh, who did primarily, I guess he is kind of more or less the creator of it. But Terry uh, Fukunaga? Yeah, the guy who like was involved with uh True Detective pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. Like yes, it's yes, the yes. him and what's the what's that guy? Um what's his name? John is it John Singleton? Who got, who did True Detective? Yeah, who created it? Uh I think so. 
me see here. Created by... Nick Pazzolato. Nick Pazzolato. So oh, okay. I guess not. That guy. Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, yeah, him and uh, <laughs> him and that Kerry Fuja, whatever, they, they do not get along. No. No, I know that. Interesting. Yeah, they, they are not friends. Hmm. Well, um, Kerry Fukunaga directed this and wrote the screenplay. So uh, it'll be interesting to it'll be interesting to see what we get out of Beasts of No Nation. Uh, so before we head on out of here, head on over to cinemageekly.com to check out the archives of this show, along with the others that we do. Uh, this show is available on iTunes and Google Play Music in the main show feed. So just search for Cinema Geekly and hit subscribe. And Glenn and I will return to discuss Beasts of No Nation on another podcast from Parts Unknown. <laughs>